Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The Courage to Lead, episode 215. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest. Please help me welcome Tina Greenbaum. Tina Greenbaum works with executives who want to increase their performance level in high-stakes, high-pressure situations. An optimal performance specialist and sports psychology consultant, Tina's signature program, Mastery Under Pressure, empowers leaders and their teams using cutting-edge technology, neuroscience, energy psychology, sports psychology, and current learning theory. In addition to her Mastery Under Pressure team program, Tina also works with CEOs and senior level management as confidential Thera coach on a one-to-one basis. Her expertise in guiding executives through their psychological and personal issues helps her clients cope with the demands that their personal struggles place on them as they strive to be atop their sector. As she likes to say, the only thing standing between you and your goal is you. Tina, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I um, I still laugh at that, you know, because honestly, but it's true. It's true. We we sabotage ourselves a lot, and I, I know we'll talk and get into it and stuff. But we do we we uh, put unexpected or or unachievable demands on ourselves, and we fall short. And then we why have we fallen short? You know, we're supposed to be at the top of our game. Why can't I do this? We expect too much of ourselves, and we expect that we know more than the other people around us sometimes. And that, that can be detrimental to, to, to folks. Absolutely. So, yeah, hundred percent. No, <laughs> All right. Um, you come from a psychotherapeutic and sports psychology background. Yes. Right? Yes. Excellent. And now you're working, you work with top performers, whether they're world-class athletes, executives, um, d- film, I have, you know, so I lived in Washington, D.C., I lived in New York City, and now I live out in San Francisco. So every place I live attracts a particular kind of um, person, you know, and uh, vertical, as they say. Sure. So when I lived in New York, I worked with a lot of um, creatives, film, mm-hmm. ballet dancers, uh, you name it. But all high performers, people who expect a lot of themselves I love really big minds, really creative mm-hmm. minds, because um, they are the ones that are the disruptors. And sure. and um, when they buy into this kind of work that you and I are talking about today, they impact so many people. Yeah. And that's that's the whole purpose of it yeah. all. Yeah. Well, hopefully more people will listen. You know, when they say yes, I have a coach, they'll listen. Yes. So, <laughs> all right. I want to come back. Like I said, we'll we'll talk about how you got started in all this who you work with and how you help them. We'll talk about your book. Um, we'll talk about your programs, all of that stuff. But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. Um, okay. These are questions 
that uh, listeners know these are the questions asked on the uh, TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. There we go. <laughs> so if you're ready, 10 questions. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Yes. Nice. What is your least favorite word? No. <laughs> what turns you on? Deep, meaningful conversation. What turns you off? Uh, just kind of surface talk, chit chat. Okay. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, two things came to mind at the same time. Um, beautiful music and the sound of the waves. Mm, nice. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, car alarms. <laughs> <laughs> In San Francisco, you hear those all the time. Uh, New York City, that was really, <laughs> yeah, that was the one that got yeah, me. Absolutely. All right, question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Oh, you gave me a little uh, coaching on this beforehand. It begins with a, uh, an F and ends with a K. Okay, got it. I think people will understand what that is. <laughs> Seems to be the most popular one so far. All right. Uh, what profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Oh, if I could have been a dancer, that would have been a dream. Mm, yeah. Nice. What profession would you not like to do? Anything to do with technology. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And, and final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You've done it. You've done it. Absolutely. And you have done it. You've done so much. And I want to get into everything you've done. I love your Mastery Under Pressure program. Um, so we're going to take a short break. We'll come back, talk about all of that. And at some point, uh, we'll talk about courage and leadership. Okay. Sounds so good listeners, to we're going to talk about all that and probably a lot more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Tina Greenbaum. Tina, thanks so much for agreeing to be on the program. It's great to uh, to talk to you all the way from San Francisco. Yes, well, so, you're, you're in part of the world that I really love too. I'm from the East Coast, so. Yeah. This is nice. We don't, I mean, I'm from Atlanta. I've been up and down the East Coast, but we've never really spent a lot of time in Annapolis and we're loving it. This is great. It's a neat little town. So, yeah. So let's talk about you. You're working with the C-suites and you've been working with C-suites for quite a while. How did that come about? How did you get started working with um, these high performance, you know, top performer people, world-class athletes, uh, politicians, uh, C-suite executives? How did that all come about? You know, it's a really good question. I think probably I started my profession living in Washington, D.C. And I lived in a neighborhood that uh, the Italian ambassador was over here. And somebody who had clerked for Ruth Bader Ginsburg was one of my neighbors. And, and I was just always fascinated by people, as I kind of keep saying, people with big minds. 
create I love creative people I love the ideas that people come up with and I have within myself that leadership mentality you know if I need something to get done and people are not you know I, I just go and I do it and I learned really early on that common sense was a gift <laughs> it's <laughs> it was not like, very common not common <laughs> like, at all yeah it's like how do you not know it? It's like right in front of you. So just through my my own, you know, kind of characteristic, the way that I'm put together in my brain and the way that I go, I'm just always attracted to that person. And and and, and, and I like to be inspired and I like to grow and I like to learn. And so it just became sort of those are the people that I just wanted to work with. And as I started in, you know, I'm a social worker by training and I could have worked in with many, many, many different populations because, you know, the whole world needs help in some way, shape, form or another. Sure. But I started to pay attention to what I was gravitating towards. And the question always really the one um, is how do I get under the conscious mind? Hmm. Because we could talk, 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 talk. And somehow or other, we're just not changing. So I always wanted to be an expert. And at the beginning, I didn't really know what that was about. But I knew that if I started to focus on one particular area that kept captured my interest, then I could become an expert over time. So all the trainings that I took all the were really answering the questions that I couldn't find the answers to, nice. which now the neuroscience and, um, you know, so much so much of the things are available to us. But it just became, I worked with a lot of lawyers when I lived in DC, hmm. a lot of very high powered people. I remember, you know, one woman who wanted to become a, um, a partner in a, in a firm and she was pregnant and she was working a million hours a week. And she said, well, other people do this. And I said, no, <laughs> they don't, they don't do it successfully. And so all the issues of, um, people with great expectations of themselves and high yeah. achievers became, just kind of interesting and then i have uh three boys two of them were very very competitive soccer players and i used to say to them i can't help you with soccer but if you're in front of that penalty you know thing and i don't need to teach you how to kick mm -hmm. but if i could help you with your mind and really kind of how to how to manage that pressure yeah and i think probably the other last piece of it is i'm really good in an emergency mm -hmm. i feel it afterwards um, but in the emergency, I can think very clearly. I can see the way through it. And again, that's that attraction to people who are in leadership. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause everything is connected. And I know you talk about that in um, some of your blog posts that I've read and, and articles and things like that. You, you talk about how everything is connected. The, you talk about the Holy triangle, right? You've got your, your uh, performance, your your tactical ability to do whatever it is that you do. You've got the strategic ability, right? But right. then you also have to have that mind, heart, right. emotional balance. That's right. So this is the one that drives it all. Everything that goes on between here and here is the driver. And so in our world, and particularly our Western world, we focus on, you know, I'm going to go to school, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to get this technical ability, then I'm going to take this and I'm going to put it into a strategy. I know you're a business coach, so we've got the, you got to be good at what you do. And then how are we going to bring it to the marketplace? Right. But if you were an Olympic level athlete, 
you know, I'm just watching now the Australian Open, mm. uh, you would no sooner go out there to compete without training this mental side. Right. And we put people into all these high-pressured, high-stakes environments yeah. with training. And is it business schools that that miss that? Because, I, like you said, in sports, they teach that mental, right? The the mental focus. The you're totally engaged. Your your heart is in it. Your your mind is in it. Everything is engaged, and you see that performance level. But it seems in school we're taught focus on profit, <laughs> focus on your you know the exactly. stakeholder, and I think they miss. The, the whole side of the the, well, know, they, the emotional they do, psychology. They do, and I co- and I coach. Um, matter of fact, this morning I was just on with a client who is a, um, a a director level and has a whole bunch of people underneath her, and she, we, she we've been working together for for a long time. And we know each other really well, and I said, a good manager is a good coach, and you mm-hmm. in order to be a good coach, you have to have skill. You know, how to, again, I remember working with uh, nutritionists who were working with people around eating and food, and we're talking about changing behavior. If you don't have a clue how to really kind of do that, how to get in there, and really kind of what makes people tick, and how to help them shift these pieces, again, they're not going to change. And then they're going to leave your company, and then they're going to, you know. Right. And all that knowledge goes with them. All the the skills go with them. And the training and the onboarding and all the expense. Wow. Yeah. The huge expense. But, and I, it's, it's weird because you see that happen, right? The, the sports, the athletes, you talk about it. Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Uh, Serena Williams has a tennis coach. Uh, Michael Phelps has a swim coach. Why is it so hard for business people and executives to say, coach me. I need a. I need a coach. What's the stigma attached to that? Well, I think it's, it it is a stigma, and for me, kind of how I present myself has been the biggest challenge. Because sometimes when people hear I'm a psychotherapist, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> I, I don't need your help. And then I coach, but I have got a lot more skill, mm-hmm. you know, and training um, that coaches just don't have because that's just not the school that they went to or that's not kind of what they learned. So there is a stigma and the, the pandemic has really kind of helped this industry more than anything that I've ever been able to do because we're seeing the results of people not having the skills to be able to manage the incredible level of stress that right. and under as globally. Yeah. Yeah. And we hear a lot about, um, the quiet quitting. And a lot of people want to point to the millennials or the Gen Z, Gen X. I don't think it's them that's, I mean, they're on top of it. If they don't like the job that they're in, if they don't feel engaged, they quit, they leave, they go somewhere else. It's the older, the boomer generation, I think, that they either feel stuck or they feel, you know, this is what I know. And so I'm just going to sit here and just kind of go along with it, right? And there's a cost to that. There's always a cost. And everybody has to weigh for themselves, like what are the most important things and what are my priorities and how do, how do I want to look back on my life, you know, and say what I've, what I've done or what I haven't done. But the, the younger generation is definitely leading the way. I like to say that I'm the, I'm the the oldest, uh, you know, kind of millennial (laughs) because I love their philosophy. 
you know, they're, they're purposeful and, and they, they're, they love the personal growth, the, you know, the transformational stuff that I teach. They're hungry for it. They're absolutely hungry for it. And they're not going to put up with being treated poorly. And um, so at the same time, you know, they've got other things to learn that we know that, that they haven't learned. But again, everybody has to come to it in order to really kind of look at yourself and be self-reflective, you have to be humble and you have to be not right or wrong. You just have to be willing to look at, I love the the definition of mindfulness that I learned a while back and that I use over and over again. Hmm. Mindfulness is being aware in the present moment without judgment. Nice. See, and once we take the judgment away, then we have to look at how did I get here? What decisions did I make? What brought me to this place? rather than I'm bad or I'm terrible or you know, I'm not good enough or any one of the other stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And that's a lot of the baggage that we carry with us. Yeah. Right? Somebody somewhere along the line said, oh, you'll never be good exactly. enough. Exactly. And we hold on to that and we start telling it to ourselves. That's right. Wow. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so the, the, I, I'm doing a, a little show called Under the Hood okay. where I interview different leaders uh, every, every month. And I started out with the premise that patterns that are created in childhood impact us as grownups. And people's stories are amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. the things that, the wonderful things that they learned that have brought them to the places that they are. And then the things that they had to be humble about and unlearn Mm -hmm. and relearn and be open to growing and, and trying something different. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I was reading on, online, some of the posts that you have, uh, LinkedIn and everything like that. You made a statement, I guess, or people have made statements to you. If this person is a leader, they don't really need coaching. We do that, (laughs) don't we? We think I'm at this level already. I actually had a a guy, a business owner say, I got to where I am now without a coach. Why do I need you? Okay. Okay. You know, I don't know about you, but Harlan, but I really like to be around people that are really smarter than me. And people that know things that I know. And this is the reason I believe that people, no matter how high level you go. So, again, if you imagine that you're in a valley and all you see is this valley, you know, you don't know that there's anything beyond it. Right. And then you climb up the mountain then you get a greater vista and then you see the valley below. And then as you climb, you get an even greater vista. And so whoever says that they know it all. That's what, again, will sabotage their level of maybe financially they have made it. Maybe they figured out the number game and they figured this out and they figured that out. But life is complicated. Yeah. And nobody escapes tragedy, loss, grief. Sure. Um, how do you manage all of that? How do you help the people that are below you? It's another wonderful, I have lots of wonderful sayings that I've picked up over the years that um, you cannot take a person to a place that you haven't been. Nice. So if you want to be able to counsel or coach or lead, you know, why would I want to have a coach who hasn't earned a dollar? Right. Right. Or if I want to, you know, if I'm my business is in a place where, you know, I'm at millions I need somebody who has coached people and leaders who are at that level right. and then can take me to the next level. Yeah. So it's, it's a way of thinking and it's a way of being, again, a lifelong learner. And if you don't have that mindset, 
then you close yourself off. Yeah, absolutely. But like the the mindset is is it would we either say I I know this I've got this I don't need help from anybody else. Um, a lot of bosses, a lot of managers, uh, C-suite executives, they want to be the smartest person in the room. They want to be able to have all the answers. They don't want to take something from their subordinates because they feel it makes them look weak. Yes. To me, somebody who comes to me and said, I don't know how to do this. That's a sign, a sign of strength. Right. I said right. they, yeah, they want to be, they want to learn. They want to get better at what they're doing. And they don't have any, any qualms about saying, I don't know, help me. So, so again, if we come back to the younger generation and what they're looking for in their leaders, they're looking for people who are authentic yeah. and real. Now, again, we don't want to show all of our weaknesses to our employees. Right. At this, you know, at, but at the same time, our humanness, is, that's what attracts people mm-hmm. to people. How real are you? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, during the pandemic. Nobody knew what was going to happen. What's going to happen with the business? Is our business going to close? Am I going to be out of a job? The leaders that gathered their people together and said, you know what? I'm afraid too. Mm-hmm. But together, let's keep serving our, our customers. Let's do what we need to do and we'll get through it. You know, but it, they were honest and authentic right then rather than saying, oh, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine while they're looking for <laughs> other jobs and packing their office. They came out and said, hey, I don't know. I don't know where I've never been through a pandemic before, but we'll get through it together if we stick to, you know, what we know. Absolutely. So very cool. Um, you talk about blind spots yes. that some business leaders have. Give me some examples. Of what are those blind spots and how do you overcome them? So I like to say, well, we went back to sabotage, you know, when we were talking earlier about how we sabotage, uh, we sabotage m- many times because we don't see what we're doing. So everybody has blind spots. And I always like to say, everybody else knows yours. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know them too? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so once we are willing to look at the patterns, see, again, a lot of times people don't want to do this work. They, oh, there's too many things. There's so many things wrong with me, or it's too much, or it's going to be too painful if I go back, or yeah. any of that kind of stuff. The truth is there's only so many patterns and they're, they're, they're finite, that we repeat over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And we have to get, and that's why coaching or, you know, another person who can see something that we can't see, I like to call it my helicopter view. Right. So sometimes if I'm in a situation and I'm like, how did I get here? I'm not seeing all the pieces. It's because of my own blind spots, because I, I'm just, I don't have that level of perception. But if I ask somebody that knows me really well or somebody that, you know, again, a coach or somebody that can point me, have you looked at this or have you thought and, and look at this and you'll see it shows up over here and then it shows up over here. Oh, now I have this level of awareness. So I like to think about personal growth in three different ways. It's the three eyes, I call them. Okay. So the first one is insight where we begin to start to recognize these patterns, we begin to start to have a level of awareness that we haven't had before. Start climbing up that mountain a little bit. Okay, so now I have the insight, I understand my mother, my father, my, you know, how, how I got here. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what am I gonna do about it? So the second one is implementation. 
Okay. When we begin to start to implement new behaviors, new skills, making little tweaks, just you know, that wonderful saying, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Right. Why not try something different? Yeah. That little saying, again, changed my life. So now I'm, te- I'm learning new skills. Somebody like me or somebody, we're teachers. A good coach is a good teacher. So we teach skills. Okay, so I teach you something, you know, that you can begin now to start to recognize, right? And now I'm looking at it without judging myself. And I keep coming back just like an athlete. Oh, and I do, I, I do the new behavior. I do it over and then I do it over and then I do it over. And then that begins to, co- to create the new neural pathways. Nice. That is how we change our brains. Mm-hmm. And we are not stuck with what we were given when we were kids. Right. Okay. So now, so I've got the insight, I've got the implementation. And now is the integration where it becomes second nature. You know, oh, I remember I used to get really hot under the collar when that would happen. And now, yeah, no biggie. And it takes time. Yeah. It takes time because the unconscious has all behavior has a positive intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even the worst possible things that we're doing, you know, whether you're smoking or drinking or using drugs or alcohol, whatever it is, it has an intention to help us feel more calm, more peaceful. Right. It also has a tail, which comes up and kicks us, <laughs> and that becomes the vicious cycle. Right. But if we can tolerate and watch and watch and watch this discomfort over time, you know, emotions, are, they have an energy, they have, they have a, a, a field that they, it's like a bell curve. So I start to feel uncomfortable, I start to feel uncomfortable. And all addictions are about feelings that we don't want to feel, we want to cut them off. Right. So we stop and we do something and then we come back. But here, if you watch it, I'm watching it, I'm really, 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 really uncomfortable. And then I just went, oh, I see how that happened. Or, you know, I can deal with that. Or, yeah. So we have to have that willingness to be able to kind of follow it through to get to the other side of it. And that's where the learning and yeah. the shifts and the changes happen. But that perspective, too, to be able to step back and say, where did I go wrong? Right? Somebody told me years ago, every decision we make, every minute of every day of our lives makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like who you are, look at your decisions. What decision did I make? What could I have done that would have changed that trajectory? Right. That's right. But it's taking time to step back. All these things that we're talking about, if you haven't learned them, again, you're saying I'm I'm quoting people that I've studied with and you're quoting people that you've studied with and great masters. And I love, again, you know, these great, great teachers because they're wise. Yeah. And they know things. Yeah. And I said, those are the people you want to surround yourself. That's who I want to surround myself (laughs) with. Exactly. That's awesome. So I, do you work with individuals, groups, um, the whole like C-suite at the same time? How do you, how does your program no, work? I, I, I work with individuals. Okay. It's kind of, I keep that pretty limited because really my, my passion at this point in my, in my career is to impact as many people as I possibly can. Okay. So if I can get together teams of people to go through, I have a three-month program. Okay. And it's a, and the way that I look at it is so. Let's imagine that this is your nervous system's tolerance for stress. It's called the window of tolerance. And as long as we're in this window, we're good. 
But as soon as the stress hits your nervous system's tolerance, you go into the stress response. And then most importantly for, for leaders and people, you can't think clearly. You know, there's a whole bunch of other things that happen. The body gets tight and, you know, the, everything restricts. And, but most importantly, we, can't, we, we lose our ability to think clearly. Mm-hmm. So this program is really about stretching and, and expanding your tolerance for stress. Okay. So here it comes. And again, it's just another problem because right. the body gets triggered before the mind. Right. So the program is really about quieting the body so that the mind can be clear. Nice. So when you start feeling that physical response to or emotional response right. to it, you can stop, right. take a breath. Well, here you go. So I did a TEDx talk not too okay. long ago, and I created this little mantra. Nice. So it's cut, reframe, respond. So as soon as I feel that body kind of stuff talking to me, it's stop. Just think of that like a movie. You just cut, and then the reframe, you begin to start to notice the thoughts and feelings that are running through the body. You take nice. your time, and then you respond. You choose to respond differently. Nice. And again, that little thing over and over and over and over and over again will change your life. Right. Perfect. Yeah, I uh, studied NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and a lot of that is when you start feeling something, take a step back and try to look at it from different perspectives. That's right. From the other person's perspective, from the third-party perspective, you know, to That's try right. to see what's going on. What could I do differently? How do understand what it is you want to accomplish mm-hmm. but then how can i get there without going through this you know exactly exactly yeah. i've studied a lot of nlp yeah. it's a lot of in my work and it's so again so integrated i don't even sure. remember what's this and what's that <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like i said everything is everything is connected and i wish more people understood that you know they focus on that one area i need to be great at this and they let everything else yeah we're a system we're a whole system absolutely and I think of the body and the mind, it's an instrument. It's like a fine instrument. And if you can really kind of tune this instrument, your perception is incredible. You know, your ability to tolerate not only stress, but joy. Yeah. And all the other wonderful things that we can experience in our lives. Yeah. But that's a good point. You've heard people sit down at a piano and they'll play all the notes in the right order, in the right timing. But the emotion isn't there, right? So they're going through the, this. This is what I was taught to do, blah, blah, blah. But you, you can feel that they don't really feel it. They don't believe it. They don't, you know, they're not engaged they don't with it. it. They don't right. embody it. Right. That's right. And so when we're talking about how people are attracted to you, it really is an energy. Yeah. It's a presence. And the only way that you can really kind of cultivate that is to own this system. Yeah, absolutely. So, and the other thing I like about what you do when you talk about the the mastery, you work with an executive. It's not just the executive that benefits from this. It's their upline. It's the downline. It's their peers, everybody, right? Because they not only see their children. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Because, yeah. and that's something, you know, I try to teach my my clients. If you're, let's say, communication, you're having trouble communicating with your employees at work, you're probably having problems communicating at home too. That's right. You know, everything is connected. That's right. Yeah. Right. So I like to call these skills, they're transferable skills. Mm-hmm. So in 
somebody's a young athlete, you know, I'm watching my kids as, as they've grown and, and the skills that they bring to what they're doing. Um, my father used to say, you can learn everything you need to learn about life on the ball field, yeah. which is true. And at the same time, you also need somebody to tra help you transfer those skills, you know, into life. Yeah. And um, I, I know that you feel as strongly as I do. I feel so strongly about this information um, and so passionate about having people understand that these are skills to be learned mm -hmm. and taught. I always say that good mental health is not a natural sport. It's a learned sport. Yeah. And we and, can all learn it. <laughs> and you can tell the difference between the world-class athletes and the high school, college athletes. Sure. These are the ones that are totally mentally engaged. Their heart is engaged. Everything is in this. They're not just going through the motion. I mean, it's, it's them. It's, it's the whole and, and I love to listen to the commentators. It's one of my favorite things to, to listen to, whether it's basketball, but, but tennis, I, we watch a lot of tennis. And right now, again, it's the Australian Open. And it, just watching the waves of the emotion and, and yeah. you know, and how the match kind of moves, you know, from this high intensity, and then they start to kind of do poorly, and then they start to walk around, and then their bodies go down, and their heads go down, and then, yeah. and then how quickly can they get it back? And um, that's power. Yeah. able to I, I don't know about anything that is more personally powerful than being able to manage your own emotional life and I would say that again the healthiest people are the ones that can be very flexible that the minds are agile that they can recognize that what was two minutes ago yeah. no more we have a new paradigm right now okay so where are you right now nice. that happened we can't we can't go back and uh, again, so many, so many wonderful things that people can have if they put in the time and the money and the investment. Sure. And uh, do you do, I know you help holistically. You're, you're not just talking about business or, or whatever it is. Meditation, breathing, right. simple so, things so, like that, that. So the program is focus, knowing when you're in focus, when you're out of focus, what kind of focus do you need when we're... Mm -hmm. When we're laser focused, there's certain um, neurochemicals that are being transmitted, and and then then we need a break, and then there are others that uh, allow us to kind of have a big, you know, wide open um, kind of mind, which is where the integration starts to have. Oh, I could do this. Oh, I could do that. You know, I'm in the shower or taking a walk or doing something that is away from it. And then we come back and then, so there's a whole bunch of things to learn around focus, relaxation, learning how to breathe so that you can initiate that relaxation response in an instant. You can change your nervous system. So again, the most powerful thing that you could do. Everybody says, well, I know, take a breath. Well, if you take a breath from way up here, yeah. you could exacerbate the anxiety. Mm. If you take a breath from way down low in the belly, okay, you're going to relax the whole nervous system. So again, learning how to do that, practicing it over and over and over again, that it becomes automatic. Yeah. And then uh, focus relaxation, dealing with negative self-talk. I like to call it productive thinking rather okay. than positive thinking. Right. A lot of times, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, this is going to be. And it doesn't happen. And then we don't know why it doesn't happen. So I like to, I know why it doesn't happen, but we may not know. 
Um, it it doesn't happen because the whole system there's a part that's not in agreement it's going to happen so i like to call it productive thinking do my thoughts produce something useful for me nice so as soon as i could start to notice that i'm starting to go down that spiral i ask that question do these thoughts produce something useful for me no and and then i need to be able to change them and then sometimes we just can't change them this is where kind of my work comes in. We want to be able, and I always say that people want, a lot of times people want to change. They just don't know how. Right. They just don't know how, how to turn off that noise. You know, you know, how people say, I don't know how to meditate. Well, meditation is focused concentration. It's just so many nuances of all this stuff. So I like to say what I, what I teach is common knowledge, but not common practice. So that, so, Productive thinking and then visualization, mm-hmm. how to visual, you know, using the process of visualization so that you can prepare ahead mm-hmm. of time, your brain prepares, and then dealing with fear, which is a big one, and learning to use fear as your best friend. Wow. Wow. Yeah, visualization, that's something athletes use a lot. Um, you don't hear a lot of executives, you know, visualizing before a big presentation or I know. Like that, yeah. I know. And, mm. and when I do a talk and I love speaking, I mean, that's really kind of my passion because um, it's teaching, it's teaching <laughs> and it's teaching a lot of people. Um, and, and I love that, but I always visualize ahead of time. Yeah. Always the room, you know, I, when I did that TEDx talk and how much time did I spend preparing mentally? Yeah. If I didn't have the skills that I have, I could never have pulled it off the way that I did. Wow. I just couldn't, I mean, it's, it was a high anxiety, you know, kind of thing. And every time I started at the beginning part, I would forget it. And then um, even down to like the day before, my husband mm-hmm. and I, I gave it to him many, many, many times. And I'd start out and I said, no, that's not where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so all those little mind tricks to be able to use that helped me um, really, really get into it and really yeah. enjoy the experience. And did you have a, a TEDx coach? I certainly did. And I paid her a good amount of money yep. to help me because she had already done it. She'd coached other people. Same thing. You know, sure. show me somebody that's, that's been there. And, uh, and I never could have pulled it off the way that I did without her assistance because she pushed me because I've been speaking for a long time. But she really, well, could you just try this? Hmm. Could you just do it this way? Could you, could you, could you, could you? <laughs> and then after you go and you do the whole talk and then you have to start giving it to other people and getting their feedback. Yeah. And so I had to give it a whole bunch of times to um, other Toastmaster groups, to other highly experienced speakers. And one guy said to me, he said, I have no idea where you're going. Hmm. And then another woman said, you take feedback really well. <laughs> and I said, because I want to be really good at this. Right. <laughs> and I value you know, what you have to say. So I started then taking all the feedback and looking at the patterns. You know, I got the same comment from X number of people. I really need to look at this. You know, maybe this one comment with somebody else's kind of, you know, yeah. idiosyncrasy. And then, and then I, it was quite a process. And then having to do the pitch video and I didn't like the pitch. I sent that out and I got feedback on that. And then, so, yes. <laughs> nice. 
But so we we talk about courage. That took a lot of courage. I mean, getting up in front of people, right? That's one of the the big fears everybody has. It, it's above fear of darkness, fear of clowns, fear of snakes. It's way up there. Yes. Where did you find your courage? Where do you get your courage? You know, I've always understood the concept of consequences. And I think a lot of people don't or get caught in not following, you know, listening to themselves or recognizing, oh, my God, if I do this, then this is going to happen. I've, since I've been very little, I've always understood the consequences. And so I've had high expectations of myself. And I have the under, I always had the understanding that if I don't do it, it's just not going to get done. <laughs> And so you might call it courage. You know, I had breast cancer and, and mm. um, people used to give me the term survivor. I said, please, I don't like that term at all. I just did what I had to do. Because if I didn't, <laughs> right. then I might end up with something that I really, really, really didn't want. So that's how I find, I, I, I see the landscape. And if I want something badly enough, um, I know I have, sometimes pe- things come really easy for people. Sometimes they don't. Um, some things have for me and other things I really have to work for. Yeah. And um, I, I don't even necessarily, again, think it, thinking of it. I'm very practical. Sure. Well, and a lot of people say, I don't feel it's courageous, right? But people looking at your career, the things that you've done, writing a book is courageous, getting up on stage, and then a TEDx. I mean, that's that's even next level, right? It is courageous, intellectual courage, um, being able to set aside your long-held beliefs, the knowledge you currently have to make room for new knowledge. That can be scary for some executives. They want to be the smartest person in the room. And it, 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 the fear of saying, I don't know, or I'm not sure, mm-hmm. it's scary for them. They have to find that courage somewhere. The emotional courage, um, empathetic courage, all of these things that we as leaders have to tap into on a, a regular basis, stuff, all those things may not feel courageous to us, but to other people watching, it's like, wow, you know? Yes. Yes. And I have gotten that. Oh, you're so disciplined. Oh, you're so strong. Oh, you're this. Oh. But again, um, as, as the person who's experiencing it, I just know that I have to do what I have to do. You know, I lost my parents in a car. I've had a lot of stuff that I've had to get through and, and, you know, anybody that's had kids or grown kids and gone through sure. teenage years and, um, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but at some level, I kind of always knew that I was going to be okay. Mm. And that, um, that belief in yourself. Now, again, I've had, you know, plenty of insecurities. And I said, I love to dance. I, there were times where I wouldn't get up to dance. I was too embarrassed. I was too shy. I was too this. I was too that. So I've had to work through, you know, many, many, many different things, some easier than others. But when I when I kind of look at the alternative of not doing it, right. it's not an alternative. I just don't ever give up. Nice. You know, and the resilience. Unless, yeah. Right? Unless I see that where I'm going is really kind of a downhill thing and it's just never going to happen. But I'll, I'll give it my best shot. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot for me to, to give up. Awesome. And because I, cool. I I want to say, Harlan, when they do that coffin yep. thing, I want to say I did it. Nice. And the other thing also is 
for many years I was in um, a, a difficult marriage and I had three kids and, and, and I kept my life relatively very manageable because I really wanted to devote my time to my children. And, but I always used to say, I wonder what it would look like if I lived my potential. Mm. And then after 34 years, I got divorced <laughs> and moved into Manhattan um, oh. as a 57-year-old thinking that I was I really feeling like I was 14 because I got married at 23 and what did I know of that world? You know? yeah. and, and that driving thing of living my potential is probably the piece that drives me the most. Nice. Very cool. So what's next for you? What's next? I am working on scaling this business. Uh, okay. So instead of me just being the coach that's, that's, giving the program. We're now releasing the program without me um, okay. at, a, at a very reasonable cost, okay. $297 for a $5,000 program um, that people can, I, I have a group going through it now. They're doing a, a beta group where they're meeting it's like a book club. Mm -hmm. There's five people and every week they're going through the modules. They're doing it together. They're doing the homework. They're doing, um, so that's kind of what I'm promoting and I nice. did a, a small little program called uh, how to be a confident negotiator. Uh, I have another one on mastering eating, overeating. I have another one on having difficult conversations and nice. why positive thinking is highly overrated. And these are all little $97 programs. Nice. And so we're building that out because again, I want people to have access to things that can really change their lives. Sure. And then on the other side, I have a program that's under the hood and building a mastermind for um, very, very high level people nice. that have a lot of impact. And then I'm very involved in a group that's called the, um, uh, they're building a global economic summit Ooh. Okay. to really disrupt on many, many, many different levels. There's, you know, people doing you know, climate change and sustainability and, um, and I'm sort of in that mental health kind of wellness camp. Yeah. So, as big nice. as I can get. That's awesome. That That's, is great. Very and cool. I'm 75. <laughs> <laughs> I, you don't look it. I tell you, <laughs> I guess all the activity and everything keeps you young, keeps you going. That's great. Um, if people want to learn more about you and your program, Yes. How can they do that? What's your website? My website is masteryunderpressure.com. Perfect. And all the information about the program is there. They can order your book. They can order my book. They can see little videos. I explain each one of these things that we talked about. Um, I have a big, um, you know, kind of a profile on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I post a lot of wonderful saying, a lot of the things that yep. I've talked about today, the in videos. And um, I have a YouTube channel, Tina Greenbaum. Okay. You can write to me, Tina at masteryunderpressure.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you, how to find you, how to follow you. Uh, definitely get that. I also, Marlon, I have a quiz. Okay. Wants to take it. It's yeah. masteryunderpressure.net. Okay. And on those five different topics that we just talked about, mm -hmm. you can kind of see where you are. Okay. When you one of those um, topics. Excellent. Very cool. All right. I will make sure that link is out there also. Tina, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank for, you. Uh, Thank you so guest. much.
Thank you. It's been wonderful. No, this has been a lot of fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes. Uh, definitely check the show notes. I'll have links to all these uh, different websites. Uh, definitely check out the book, Master Under Pressure. Check out the programs uh, that Tina has. And uh, yeah, while you listen to this podcast episode, leave a review. Reviews are helpful. Reviews are good. And uh, I would appreciate that. <laughs> um, and share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. And that's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.